Funky Revolutions, Funky. Funky Revolutions, Funky. Funky Revolutions, Funky. Funky Revolutions, Funky. You are listening to Funky Revolutions. Train number one is 
For me say Babylon is falling Till you Ethiopia is calling Man me say that Babylon is falling Till you Ethiopia is calling Ya hear me? Say roots not the roots man make me tell you the truth Roots not the roots man make me tell you the truth Man you know hear where the Babylon say Man him say no smoke no ganja dung day Man you know hear where the Babylon say Man him say no smoke no ganja dung day Naughty no matter what them do Naughty no matter what them say Say naughty smoke him ganja dung day Till you naughty smoke him ganja dung day Come we have to step it out of Babylon Naughty jail because we have to smoke the lamb's bread Say the lamb's bread away the dread them one Man the lamb's bread away the dread them plant Say that them smoke a little spliff and then them tart get swift The lamb's bread away the dread them one Say that them smoke a little pipe and then them feel alright The lamb's bread away the dread them one If Babylon legalize it The naughty dread will provide it Babylon legalize it Naughty dread will provide it And shall surely advertise it And if Babylon surely appreciate it I know that Naughty dread can cultivate it Lambs bread away the dread them want Man the lambs bread away the dread them want Yeah, yeah, me Rasta Roots, Naughty roots man make me tell you the truth Roots, Naughty roots man make me tell you the truth Train on Funky Revolutions with myself, Khalid. Junior Mervyn and Dillinger dubbing it with Lee Scratch Perry. We enter part four of our tribute to Lee Scratch Perry, staying in the period of the late 60s as he begins to move and create his own label, the Upstetter label, in 1968, and launching the sound and orientations of early reggae music that would consume him in the next decade. Roots, so we stay there, the Roots of Reggae, with Lee Perry and the other members of the reggae community, the Rocksteady community in the late 60s.
We went quite quickly last week through that period of 1966 to 1969, where Lee Scratch Perry leaves Studio One, Cox and Dodd, and works with a series of producers as an engineer, sound producer, arranger, musician, or percussionist anyways, and is beginning to, to, to hanker about his own independence. One of the producers in 66-67 with whom he works after Sir JJ is Prince Buster, with whom he had a cordial relationship over the years and uh, they would do a, a number of releases, end of 66, 67, and I hadn't gotten to any of their tracks. And it's in this period in the music that he's collaborating on that you have the themes that will animate his production over the next 20 or so years, the kind of roots that have been nurtured, both his background, the musical sounds, and the uh, orientation of the music. Rastafarianism has become a much more important factor in the music, as we talked about last week, and is going to become to a dominant kind of perspective and consciousness at the end of the decade. It wasn't so much that Lee Perry was a Rastafarian. He, in fact, described himself as an Africanist, uh, more interested in the whole concept and attachment and spiritual attachment to the African continent, including Rastafarianism. And part of this was uh, in his background in the revival churches, Pokemania music uh, and rhythms and rituals that had survived um, colonial slavery that he had experienced as a youth. And he's going to name that as an important kind of awakening in the new sounds that are emerging for him in the late 60s, 68, 69 in that kind of raw rhythms uh, and, and energies of the sound. As he said about his song, People Funny Boy, Perry told writer David Katz, people say it's a song named People Funny Boy, talking about uh, early reggae sounds. And if they see it that way, it's true. Because after me decided to leave Coxon, me want a different music. Then me did go back to the church and listen the energy and the vibration of the fire and the shouting of the people. That was something different from dance hall business, something like them want to fly. So that's really where it comes from. With Prince Buster, they collaborated on an interesting project that would have certain influence both rhythmically and in terms of the concepts. It's around this period that there's more emphasis on the social injustice issues that interested his collaborators and some of his own music. It's not that he hadn't done so before because it becomes a more predominant theme other than diss songs and slack songs that he was often working on, even if many of his, much of his music was actually about or evoked many of the elements of his youth and the natural sound that he was searching for in his earlier experiences. His work with Prince Buster led to what, what I consider an important track, Judge Dread. And it was really uh, inspired for Prince Buster uh, by the, the overwhelming presence of uh, gunmen and gangs, especially aligned with the two major political parties, the GLP, uh, who had um, 
the Phoenix Gang, and then uh, the other opposing group of the Blue Mafia. These people clashed in the summer of 1966, and over 3,000 police could not bring peace to Western Kingston, leading to a stated emergency in October of 1966. It was this kind of violence that really essentially led to a very successful song released 66 and the beginning of 67 called uh, Judge Dread. And Prince Buster uh, is disguised as a savior from Ethiopia, castigating rude boys by condemning them to 400 years of imprisonment for their acts of senseless violence. It was over a rock-steady rhythm provided by the All-Stars that uh, this song and this kind of rhythm would come back uh, a number of times through reggae history, including work by Muta Baruka. Prince Buster explained that this song was inspired by uh, a massacre at a school and the rape of children at Denham Town School. And he wanted to denounce the inefficacy of the justice system, the judicial system. They were so scared, he said, the judges, that they handed out lenient uh, sentences. As he said, uh, they wouldn't arrest certain people, but the court was too lenient on wrongdoers through fear of repercussions. It had gotten out of hand. He said, I went to see Scratch and said, I don't like this. And Scratch said, but you can't do this. He was a little bit nervy because, well... He might even get killed. Well, we decided to do the song, he said, and uh, it was in that sense that he would eventually hook up with Scratch, gave him a part, and they would uh, create a kind of voice of the people. The recording engineer of the song, Sylvan Morris, noted that Judge Dredd was shaped in part by uh, Perry's really creative process, who come up with some of the dialogue on the spot as they recorded late in the night at WIRL, one of the only studios in Kingston at the time, where most musicians and labels did some of their work. He said of Scratch, Scratch was the one who instigated it. He made a suggestion and him and Buster just got about it. Scratch is an extraordinary individual. He's a creator. He creates things which is abnormal and unusual. And it's that abnormal and unusual along the themes of revival music, the percussive elements that he was searching out inspired by the church, and his role in helping define and evolve Rocksteady into reggae music. Not the only one, as you will see, but uh, there's an essential sound happening here in 68 and 69 that's going to lead us to this music that is, uh, well, what we today call reggae. As we get into our part four, this is Prince Buster along with Perry and Johnny Cool with Judge Dredd, 400 Years Judgment. Now my court is in session, will you please stand? First, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Judge Hundred Years. Some people call me Judge Dredd. Now, I am from Ethiopia. Try hard, you rude boys, for shooting black people. In my court, only Vita, as I'm Bex, 
I am the rude boy today. Who got hits? Yes, sir. Rude boy Adalpos Chicks. Yes, sir. Rude boy Emmanuel Zakaria Zakipom. Present. George Robin Free. Present. Hmm. Adalpos James. Yes, sir. I see where you have been charged. Ten children in tent. Five murder charge. Six grab and flee charge. What you are not guilty. Oh, guilty or not guilty? Not guilty, sir. I don't care what they say. Take 400 years. Stand down. Emmanuel Zachariah Zakipam. Yes, sir. You've been charged. 15 charge of shooting intent. 15 murder charge. And I heard that you was the one down there in Sutton Street who tell the judge Good boys don't care. Well, this is King Street. And my name is Judge Dredd. And I don't care. Now take 400 years. I don't know what I'm going to say, you know, you're going to be Hush up, what they trying to do, shoot me too? No, you're not, but I didn't shoot you, man. Well, quiet. 400 more years for you. Judge, grab and flee. Yes, sir. Stop your crying. Good boys don't cry, that's what I hear. I didn't read you, no, sir. I don't hear, hush up This is my court You're charged for robbing school children Robbery aggravation Good man, I'll take my sentence You know, son, if you shoot the man, you know And I just let my wife and my the judge come and come try You know, son, I'll take my sentence You know, son Hush up Yes, sir. You rob school children. You boom the people's house. You shot black people. But you and I don't give you. Hush up. Just for talking, I know charge you for contempt. And that is a separate hundred years. I heard I sentence you to four hundred years. I said, hush up, hush up. You are sentenced to 400 years and 500 lashes. I am going to set an example. I, good boys, don't cry, don't cry. When I was in half I hear you were tough. Put a turn, take him away. Thank you. 
Marshall's Nanny Goat, recorded in 67 at Studio One, described by many as already signaling that Rocksteady was passé. Thought it was worth following up after Judge Dredd as we enter this period from Rocksteady to reggae. And there's no one song that would herald or introduce reggae as such. But songs like People Funny Boy by Lee Perry, Nanny Goat, were creating a new energy and a new rhythm that would eventually be called reggae. This is Funky Revolutions as we explore and pay tribute to Lee Perry Part 4, The Early Reggae Years. In 67-68, Lee Perry was working and collaborating, as has already said, with a number of producers. He was working with a number of different producer or labels producing records. When Pierce Buster went to London uh, to work in England for a bit, he really had stretched out and had a number of collaborations, including with Clancy Eccles. And it's around the theme of how did reggae come around uh, that we get to hear a bunch of songs. Some people have said that the song People Funny Boy, Lee Scratch's really first big success selling 60,000 records on his own. People Funny Boy, in some ways, as David Katz says, was the driving new beat that contained the pent-up energy of centuries of injustice and frustration, but may not yet have held a proper name. Already a dance step was springing up to the peculiar rhythm. In giving birth to People Funny Boy, the upsetter had finally inaugurated a different beat, and from this beat would come the music that would eventually be known as reggae, regardless of the fact that he would never be happy with the term. Shot. All I've done for you, you don't remember that. 
If Perry's goal was to create a new and different type of music, that inspiration came from in the spring, sorry, of 68, drinking with Linford Anderson, and there was a revival uh, church. We left and Scratch started rocking. They had this band with drum and bass and guitar. The next day, Lee Perry said, I've got the idea for a song, which is what we just heard, People Funny Boy. But there were other musicians moving away from rock steady, and several of them have come about to say that their particular innovation or strum or strut was really the, the foundation of reggae. There was a community that was changing, and it's that community that would create this new sound. As David Katz said in the history of Jamaican popular music, no sound had been created quite like the pe- that of People Funny Boy. The upsetter had truly arrived as an independent producer in 1968 and so had a new genre of Jamaican popular music. But he does go on to explore a little bit where the term comes from and what songs were uh, contributing to this. Musicians and historians, he writes, are still arguing over what was the first reggae record. Our position on Funky Revolutions is that there wasn't a one. It was really a time of change, and a number of songs announced a new upbeat in the downbeat. And in some ways, he writes, such pondering is futile as different artists and producers seek to stake their claim as originators. For example, Alva Lewis claims it was his guitar sound that made a later hit called Bangarang, the first reggae record, while Gladie Anderson says it was his organ shuffle on Everybody Balling. Bunny Lee agrees that Bangarang was the first reggae song, but claims it was down to Glenn Adams' organ riffs. According to Ernest Wranglin, Lee Perry and Clancy Eccles originated the style on an earlier collaborative session. We were the first, he said, the first people to di- who did reggae music. Scratch and Clancy Eccles, they were the two producers, and I was the arranger with a tune by Clancy named Feel the Rhythm. And then next one by Monty Morris, Say What You're Saying. Countless other songs, David Katz says, have been suggested as an array, by an array of people involved in the music as the origin of reggae music. I'll let you judge for yourself. We'll start with, well, one of the earliest of the songs that can claim really staking out this new rhythm. This is Glancy Eccles with Lee Perry, Feel the Rhythm. You feel the rhythm, you love the rhythm, dance the rhythm, upset the rhythm, you love the rhythm, you feel the rhythm, you dance the rhythm, upset the rhythm. I don't know, and I don't know, I near got people bad minded so. Try to reach the top, they will want to see you drop. And if you don't try at all, here you got people that my call the lazy boy. I don't know, and I don't know, I never got people but my so I don't know, and I don't know, I never got people but my so If you win jackpot, my friend, the more than you am your till it end. And when you're down and out, my friend. One of those boys would I help you out? I don't know, and I don't know. I never got people bad minded, so I don't know, and I don't know. I never got people bad minded. 
Funky Revolutions, some of the first songs that can claim to have generated an upbeat called reggae music. The last track there, The Melodians, Everybody Balling. Before that, Stranger Cole and Lester Sterling with Bangarang. And before the break, Clancy Eccles, co-producing with Lee Perry on Field the Rhythm. Tracks that, along with People Funny Boy, announced and pronounced what would eventually become reggae music. The young up-and-comer at the time, as a producer, Naini the Observer, said that there was a lot of argumentation around the new music and what it should be called. He said uh, that after the recordings of People Funny Boy, Feel the Rhythm, Perry expressed a direct opposition to the term. In an interview with David Katz, Naini said, Scratch was fighting us. He said, hey man, I don't like the name reggae because reggae is a thief and gunman. He fought it. Clancy Eccles is the only one who went with the term. The first thing they came up with was four names. Linford Azersame came up with Chuck Chuck. They came up with Peeling Skin and then they come up with Strege because when they say reggae or new beat, they wasn't going off on the good things. They were going off the bad things. Just like some guys out there fire a gun and you will say gun hawk, well, chuck chuck and peeling skin, reggae and strege is some careless girl that walked the streets. That was what they used to call the girls back then. Like you see a girl out there and she acts away and you say, go away, you is peeling skin, you is chuck chuck. That means when you peel the food, you're going to dash it away. Like when you wash the rice, you're going to throw away the water. So it was nothing good, but in those days, reggae wasn't in the dictionary. 
whatever the term, this was the period for Lee Perry and, well, the community of Jamaican popular music that was defining a new sound. In this period, Lee Perry had struck out on his own with the Upsetter label, and he would begin recording, as we heard last week, a number of vocal harmony groups, like the Inspirations, the Mellow Tones, also individuals. Some of the music was very political, and one of the first, first tracks that he recorded as he struck out on his own was a track called Pound, Get a Blow. He had started to work with a young musician called Derek Burnett. Derek Burnett would hook up with Jimmy Nelson, calling themselves the Soul Twins. And they put out a track that was very popular and would be repeated by a number of groups that discussed or commented on the changes brought in Jamaica by the abandonment of the British pound, which was being replaced by the Jamaican dollar.
Botheration by Lee Scratch Perry. In 68, uh, some kind of, well, social justice orientation in some of the music that he was making. Before that, two versions of Pound Get a Blow. We started with the Soul Twins, one of the first recordings that he made independently for the Upsetter label. And followed that very quickly a few months later, recorded by Bob Marley and the Whalers. Same version, another version, Pound Get a Blow. And you can still hear that they're just before they begin collaborating with Perry and as he gets them to harmonize in a different way, and that the reggae rhythm begins to influence uh, their sound. Still stuck in this rock steady here, but uh, an important song in terms of. Uh, what uh, Lee Perry and his collaborators were trying to say in 1968. As we come down on the end of this part four of Lee Perry, I wanted to go to some of the initial recordings he did with individual solo artists, with the all-stars as uh, gay lads, as um, the upsetters. One of the important saxophonists on the Jamaican popular music scene was Val Bennett. He'd been around for at least over a decade. And he was not well credited on Django Returns, that hit record internationally for Lee Perry and the Upsetters. But he was one of the first vocalists after the Soul Twins to record with Lee Perry on his label. This is Barbara. Dreadful, why? Barbara, 
My name was Khalid. Been a pleasure to be with you. Part four of Lee Perry, early reggae music, 67 to 69. On next week's program, we continue with part five, and we'll look really at 69 to 1972, a very fruitful uh, period where he works with Bob Marley and the Whalers, helps transform their sound, but also uh, is really the, the reggae upbeat is, is going to become defining to the work of the Upsetters and Lee Scratch Perry. We heard uh, music from Val Barnett, the saxophonist, one of the first tracks cut with Lee Perry, Barbara, and Carl Dawkins, Hard to Handle, with the Upsetters for a few dollars more, the spaghetti theme really coming back in much of this music over the years, uh, you know, inspired by the Spaghetti Westerns. Reminding you as usual, free your mind, our collective ass will follow. To see how the term reggae really begins to announce itself in 69, this is one of the early recordings on the Rasta theme as well. This is the Reggae Boys with Lee Perry and Selassie I. Yeah. 